Michael Nance Audio Experience Podcast. Here is your host, Michael. Oh my goodness, everybody. Welcome back to the Michael Nance Audio Experience Podcast. Today, I want y'all to get ready because I am going to take a deep dive into Chelsea's Chelsea FC's struggles. And we're going to do this through the wisdom of a book that I recently read. Actually, it was written by Pat Riley in 1993. <laughs> and that book is called The Winner Within, A Life Plan for Team Players. Now, I believe that this book will not only provide insights into Chelsea's situation, but it also inspire you to reflect on your own teamwork experiences if that is something that you have. Now, I have decided that from this point on, this book has had such an impact on the way that I view professional sports that everything I discuss from here on out will always be colored by this book or the commentary that you can find in this book because I just believe it is that powerful. In this book, Pat Riley talks about the crucial ingredients that make up a winning team. And with his, the word I have written here is treasure trove. I don't want to say it, but there really is no other way to say it with his treasure trove of experience in professional sports. Pat Riley presents a life plan that is completely applicable to sports, business, and personal relationships. And he has seven principles inside of that book that serve as a blueprint for assembling a cohesive and unbeatable team. And at the heart of that those seven principles is a concept called the core covenant and the core covenant emphasizes the need for a team to establish shared values goals and expectations now the core covenant forms the bedrock the the base of team unity and really allows individuals to effectively collaborate towards a common objective, which in the case of Chelsea FC would obviously be winning a a Premier League title or a Champions League of some sort. So how do we apply this core covenant to Chelsea FC? I don't know, buckle up, because... Well, you know, what we're really going to do is we're going to examine their current state through the lens of the core covenant. And I'm going to dissect multiple aspects of the team, such as their on-field communication, their overall performance as a team, individual player performances, their body language, their culture, their history, and even some comments that were made in recent interviews and how they all relate back to this concept that is called the core covenant. Let's begin with on-field communication. 
because that's I, I think that's an ideal place to start. When you talk about effective communication, I believe and the book shares that it is the cornerstone of the core covenant. Observing Chelsea's players during matches really reveals a concerning lack of constructive dialogue during open play, if I'm being honest. Like, you never, ever see the players patting each other on the back or telling them, telling each other, hey, man, that was a good play or I got the next one. Those type of positive reinforcing conversations, they just don't happen. And most of the communication that is constructive in any way really only happens during set pieces when they're forced to collaborate on what the best move is going forward. And that really communication in that aspect, it really only happens between the players who put the ball in play. And instead of encouraging or offering constructive feedback, I always see the team resorting to yelling at each other for missed assignments or for being out of position. We've seen like Mudrick calling out Kukureya on Instagram, like things like that type of communication within the squad. It's not conducive to any championship mindset whatsoever, let alone the core covenant. And embracing the core covenant would really involve creating a nurturing and positive environment full of communication, positive communication and mutual support. And that is something that Chelsea does not have. They don't have one single iota, as the old folks say. They don't have any of that. So let me move on to the overall performance. Now, I I decided when I was writing this script that I really wasn't going to talk about the overall performance, meaning from the beginning and from the 1800s inception of Chelsea FC. I didn't think that was necessarily necessary in this case to prove a point. You know, the core covenant really in this aspect is just going to talk about their performance in the last six games. So I'm sorry to disappoint if you thought I was going to do the whole the whole time. But in relation to this squad and this squad's particular struggles, I think the last six games can tell you a lot. And, you know, what their recent form is. And their recent form has been worrisome, to say the least. They've only won one game. And, and, and to be clear, we're talking about Premier League games here. We're not talking about any Champions League games. They only won one game of their last six Premier League games. They they have two draws and three losses. And those teams that they lost to, nobody's got a payroll like Chelsea. So every team that they lose to, they're losing to what the books would tell you, inferior players or players who aren't worth as much. <laughs> but they've only got five points out of their last six games. And that has them in 16th place on the league table. And it's, it's unacceptable to embody the core covenant. Chelsea really has to find a way to, to dig deep and, and get some momentum throughout these matches. And they got to show 
some resilience, some fight. <laughs> they got to fight to be successful. And I feel like oftentimes they come out there and say, and I'm not trying to single anybody out in this point, but like you come out and say, I'm Raheem Sterling. Why won't you just let me score? Because it doesn't work that way. You got to demonstrate some resilience. One of another aspect of this core covenant is, is you need to evaluate individual player performance. Now, obviously, Chelsea has had some injuries and they've dealt with quite a bit of injury. But individual player performance in this case is going to talk about how well a player has done their job, not necessarily how well they've contributed to the success of the team, because that's not the point of this particular bullet point or of the discussion. But when you talk about how well players have done their particular job, there are a few standout names. So you got players like Reese James, who in my opinion has been the best player. And I believe that there's factual data to to back up this claim. Reese James has done Reese James's job better than any other player on the team at any other particular point in the season. And also consistently over the span of the season, when he's been healthy and when he's played, he's been Chelsea's best player. And that's not necessarily in relation to goals and assists or goal contributions. But we're talking about how well Reese James is playing at right back. And he does it better than anybody else. Tiago Silva has been outstanding when he's been healthy. And Golo Conte, and he's not been healthy all season. But when he's played, he's been outstanding. Wesley Fofana, when he's played, he's been outstanding. And lastly, Captain Consistency, Enzo Fernandez. Yeah, he's made a couple of tiny mistakes. One of the biggest, probably the only mistake really that he's made that stands out to me is that uh, that time he got bullied off the ball by my man for Dortmund. And I can't think of his name right now, but the little short, fast dude that plays for Dortmund, the little black German dude. But either way, Enzo has been lights out. He's been phenomenal. He's been as good as advertised. And when you're, in the, when you're examining individual player performance, there really are only a few standout names. And again, I'll read them. Reese James, Thiago Silva, N'Golo Conte, Wesley Fofana, and Enzo Fernandez. And then on the contrary, on the complete opposite spectrum, you have players who've played arguably the worst soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. They've played the worst. Their performances have not been good, regardless if they've scored a single goal or scored an assist. When you talk about their individual performances, these players that I'm about to name have not They've, they've been at the bottom of the squad. And that's Obama Yang, Mudrik, Polisic, Zakaria, and Ziyech. Obama Yang, I think his performance speaks for itself. I think it's a straight indictment of his talent. Or, or it's very indicative of how hard he trains that 
Kai Havertz in his very unimpressive form consistently is tapped to start games over Obama Yang. And people think, oh man, Obama Yang can't get in the game at all. Like, why would you? Like, Lampard is in training every day with these guys. And if he saw anything that said that Obama Yang should be starting, because Lampard wants to win, I guarantee you he'd start Obama Yang over Havertz. But it's just not happening. Mudrik, I think he is a really talented player. And maybe the amount of talent in the squad has gotten into his head and he thinks he has to compete on some level that he doesn't. Or maybe he feels like he has something to prove. But he's not played well at all. Like, he's had a couple flash games. And for a while, they were calling him 007. Like, no goals, no assists in seven games. And I know he got an assist recently, but you don't pay what you pay for that dude for an assist. And then his attitude hasn't been great either. Pulisic, I don't think it's entirely his fault that he's not played well. I think you need games to string together some individual good performances. And I frankly just don't think he gets the game time at all to showcase anything that he can do. And again, I don't think that it's his fault. He also, hey, he had the in-season World Cup, which he got hurt, and he got hurt when he came back from the World Cup. He's had an, an unfair injury history this year. But again, when he's played, he's not played well. And, and I think he would even tell you that if you asked him. Zakaria, man, he's not played well at all. I had really high hopes for him. I learned of his game through FIFA. <laughs> he was a consistently good player. And I think he was at Borussia Mönchengladbach, if I'm not mistaken. Is that where he was at? I think that's where he was at. But either way, he went to, from there, he went to Juventus. And then we got him on loan from Juventus, I believe. And I, I thought that he was going to play well for us. And I don't think he has. And I think, if again, it's you know, the same thing I've been saying. We need a DM, and that is his best position. And if he was any good, he'd be playing. If he was any better than the guys who, who get on the field and, and get to play, he would be playing because the goal is to win. It's always to win. And lastly, Hakeem Ziyech. You talk about another one of these aspects that Pat Riley points out is he talks about something called the disease of me, which is basically he's looking around. Ziyech is looking around. Hey, Reese James just got a six-year deal. and Reese James just got paid. I want to get paid. Where's my money? And instead of focusing on his individual performance, he's focused on his paycheck. When am I going to get paid? And, and to be clear, it's hard not to look at someone else's compensation and not want or not wonder what's up with yours, but he really needs to focus on his individual performance because in my opinion, he's not deserving of the wages that he's been rumored to be asking for. The team needs to really address these particular issues. And then they need to ensure that all players on the squad are fulfilling their roles effectively. And then that those roles really align with the core covenant and that's not something that's happening right now. So another aspect of the core covenant is body language and demeanor. 
fostering a positive team mentality is a crucial component of the core covenant. Chelsea players often appear to me, in my opinion, disengaged, frustrated, or disinterested. And to me, that signals that it's time for a change because to embody the core covenant as Riley spelled out, the players really need to exhibit their own personal motivation, their own personal level of dedication or both. And that's on and off the pitch. And as Pat Riley emphasizes in the book, or one of the points that he he makes in the book is that the best motivation comes from within, from, from inside of you. I just watched a playoff interview tonight where Trey Young was interviewed on the sidelines and, and, and he was quoted as saying that nobody is harder on, on him. Nobody expects more from Trey Young than Trey Young. And that is a young man who embodies this concept of the core covenant. But another thing that we need to do is we need to really analyze the team's culture and we need to talk about the culture. Is it a team that's historically bad? Are, are you a team that's historically constant, consistently winning championships? Are you the Lakers? Are you the Celtics? Like that type of championship mindset. And again, I decided that I wasn't going to analyze 100, 200 years worth of history. I was really only going to focus in on the Roman Abramovich era because I think the other stuff is, is simply too far back to, to have too much of a relevant bearing on what Chelsea is today and what it has become. But since 2003, Abramovich, or, or sorry, since Abramovich took over in 2003, Chelsea has really enjoyed considerable amounts of success. They have won 18 trophies in 18 years. And I think the most winningest manager of that span was uh, Mourinho. I think he won six of those trophies. And in, over this last 18 years that they won, they've won the Premier League title five times and they've won the Champions League twice. Now, the current direction of the club is completely uncertain. They've got a bloated squad. they got way too many players on that team. They have an unclear strategy for nurturing young talent. All these young dudes that Chelsea say that they want and all these young guys that they say they want to develop, it's not clear to me how you plan on developing that talent. Because if you look at the young talent that's in the club right now, they're either not playing, they're playing a few minutes, or they've been sent out on loan. And that tells you everything to know about how Chelsea plans on nurturing that young talent, in my opinion. Chelsea really need to establish a clear vision for the future. And I've heard that their vision is to identify the best, brightest young talents in world football, sign them while they're young, like 17 or 18, to these long six, seven, eight-year deals and hope that you can get the best years out of them while they're at a number that you could afford. And to me, that's like some that's some FIFA career mode stuff. No, I challenge anybody to show me any team that was built mostly of young players that have won any trophy worth 
worth consequence or, or worth talking about. The best teams all have a mixture of young talent and veterans. You know, n- n- the best teams aren't too veteran heavy and they aren't too young player oriented either. When you look at Liverpool's problems, I think they got too many old players. When you look at Chelsea's problem, I think they got too many young players. When you look at Arsenal, I think they have a balance of young and veteran proven players. And you know, that those are really the examples that I wanted to hold up. Now, when you talk about interviews and press conferences, you need to talk about how they've been perceived all year. And again, at this point in time, I don't think it's fair to talk about what's happened all year when you had that bomb, that freaking funk flex bomb of an interview that Tiago Silva dropped. And we usually expect his wife to be dropping all these funk flex bombs of statements. But Tiago Silva... He had an interview after the Champions League loss to Real Madrid, and he wanted to talk about, he basically highlighted several changes, several challenges that the team has faced right now, and that's including the change of ownership, which I know I've talked about on this show. The oversized squad, which I know I've talked about on this show, and the lack of a coherent strategy in in which I just laid out. The core covenant demands that players take personal responsibility for their personal performance and not really place all the blame on managers. And that is something that Tiago Silva even said in his recent bombshell interview, shall we say. Now, it is essential, in my opinion, for the team to self-reflect and then identify what needs to change to improve their own performance. And Tiago Silva has really taken the lead. He's taken the mantle on that, and he's and he started to lead in that direction. And the hope is that his teammates will follow and they'll do some, own, some of their own self-reflection and then identifying things that they need to do to improve their performance. So then you can get into another one of the the really the last aspect I'm going to be talking about today, and that's unity or disunity among team members. Now, the core covenant emphasizes the importance of unity within a team. Tell me a team that didn't like each other that won anything. Chelsea's official Instagram page, it often shows them high-fiving and doing TikTok dances together. They're there appears to be a real divide between the starters and the players who don't get to play of the bench warmers. The, those bonds that they have are formed by either being picked and being in on the in crowd, shall we say with the coach or being a bench warmer and, and you form your bond with your partner based on your disdain for your situation and what's going on there. The core covenant really calls for the entire squad to come together as a united force. And if you're telling me that's happening at Chelsea, you're a freaking liar. (laughs) 
Each player needs to support one another regardless of their role within the team. And again, if you're telling me this happening at Chelsea, you're a freaking liar. This unity is vital for creating a truly winning team that embodies the core covenant. I think that's an obvious statement. In conclusion, when you apply simply just the core covenant from Pat Riley's book, and again, I'm, I'm going to do this over the span of the next several episodes, I'm going to break down a different principle from the winner within, and I'm really going to apply it to Chelsea's circumstances. And I think even just if you look at today's things, it's obvious why they're not a good team. But when you apply that core covenant from the book to their current situation, you can really identify, you can see several key areas where the team simply needs to improve. Communication, player performance, player mentality, unity, and a clear vision for the future. They all play crucial roles in building a successful team. And those are all gigantic question marks for Chelsea. (laughs) We need to continue to explore the other principles lined out in the book. And as I said, I will continue to do that because this is this book has been eye-opening for me. You need to do that. And hopefully by doing that, you're going to provide further insights into Chelsea and, and then what's going to create a winning team for them. So with that, I'm going to leave you. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I really hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, share it with somebody. Tell them about it. Share your feedback with me about what you think about the episode and what you think about this book, The Winner Within, or what you think about some of the concepts or the parallels that I drew today. The socials are in the show notes if you want to connect with me. I love feedback, constructive. Hey, I would appreciate if you gave me feedback and said, man, I hate the show. I think it sucks. I would appreciate or I would value your opinion. I take it into consideration. But again, I want to thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a good one. Later. Thank you for listening to the Michael Nance Audio Experience. Subscribe to the show so you never miss a future upload. The following episode is brought to you by A Beginner's Guide to Nutrition. Are you struggling to create healthy eating habits and maintain a healthy lifestyle? Do you find it challenging to know what to eat and when to eat it? If so, I have the perfect solution for you. My simple guide teaches you not to demonize food groups like fats and carbs. You will learn what to eat to lose weight and maintain your physique. You'll also discover how to build muscle, endurance, and strength. Taking accountability for your lifestyle is one step in the right direction. Learning to rehabit ourselves and eating this, not that, will also help you become the best version of yourself. Realizing that you need to learn how to eat in order to live in moderation is a challenging admission for some to make. 
the ability to determine that skipping breakfast sets you up for bad food decisions throughout the day, sets you up for success in your fitness journey. But that's not all. After you've learned to create healthy habits and food choices, this book doubles as a food journal. This enables you to meticulously track your meals and have a quick reference on what foods to eat all in the same place. This is a blueprint to create a newer and healthier you. Don't wait any longer to take control of your health and wellness. Order my guide today and start becoming the best version of yourself. The link will be in the show notes.